Well, welcome everyone to another exciting Celebrating Life new series entitled Miracles Now. And with my special guests, Bishop Dana Durier and Bishop Robert Bearden, welcome you guys. Thank you, Padre. Thank you, Padre. Hi, Bobby. I love this because I like, I think like everyone, we love to receive gifts. And those gifts, we get to unwrap them and see what is in the box. Well, to me, this has the same feeling tonight is I think something that we're going to unravel or you're going to unravel by listening, by practicing the principles we're going to lay out tonight, that really miracles can happen in your life as they do ours. And so as we step into this, I call it faith, the unknown, and say, God, take me a little deeper, a little further in your presence, that we can discover the miracles that are all around us, but also within us. So with that stated, Bishop Dana, would you open with prayer tonight? Yes, Padre. Thank you. My beloved God, although I know that you are here always, we invite you to drop into our rooms, into our cars, into our houses now, as we draw together to learn from you this hour. We ask you to bless us with your wisdom and guide us in a way such that we all can find a deeper humility, a place to reach you and find you in our heart. We ask that you soften us and open us and heal us as we are all looking at this time that brings up fear and the ego. We ask for your divine touch. We ask for your divine wisdom. Please hear us now and take us on this trip together. Bless all of us as we are growing. Leave no one left out. In your name, we welcome you and honor you. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I loved in your prayer when you says, thank you, God, for welcoming us in. That's a beautiful prayer. That's a beautiful decree for all of us. You know, it's all about, I call it the tenderness of God. And the more we have this, quote, divine union in our lives, and as you participate in these teleclass, we keep learning a deeper part of, I call it the heart of God, the heart of the mother, the heart of the father. And it's in these quests of taking another step into our promises that God has promised, the healing, the reconciliation, the abundance, whatever it is I call lacking in our lives, it's really that new breath that I call it the push of the spirit, the invitation that really we really do capture an essence. And to me, this is what these three teleclass are going to be every week, every Wednesday. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the power of humility. And next week, Bishop Dana is going to be talking about removing all doubt. And the third is the power of remembrance by Bishop Bearden. And to me, the Holy Spirit led us into these three different categories. And they might seem a little unusual for healing. But as each one gets on, the gift gets unraveled, presented, you'll discover that each one has its own character. And if we can take it in, if we can observe it in our lives, it opens the door for the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, to breathe anew in you, in me, 
in our world, in our environment, in our government, whatever challenge that we might face, God is present. And so I want to release that right now. Those, I call it expectations for those who are on this call and who listen to it later, that healing presence is here. So we just allow the Holy Spirit, Father, just release your angels now. Release your ministering angels. Don't wait for the prayer at the end. Do it now, right now, by the power and authority through the name of Yeshua. Lord Jesus, just come and make a dwelling place within us, within our homes, within our workplace, within our country, within the world. So we just allow grace now to unfold as we speak and as we hear clearly the very presence of Yeshua to come forth. And I want to start tonight with a, a scripture quote. And it re- kind of reminds me of either the West of Heavens or the retreats, where, you know, I always bring up my books, my papers, and all those beautiful things. And then when I get up there, my notes, my papers aren't there. And so as I sat down an hour before to review what I had prepared, it's like, I don't think I'm supposed to go that route. It's like, even here, God. So even though I love God, I still question, like you, some situations that present themselves. But in my preparation, I had a quote that said, it's in Leviticus 27.12, and it says this, The priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad. As you, the priest, value it, so it shall be. And remember, I've been, you've heard me many times say, the power of decree. And in this, it talks about, and I'm just going to read just a little, and I'll bring it back to where we want to start today about the power of humility. But it talked about, and this is, says, our colleague said this week that it's going to be a lousy one because the new boss means this. You disagree and say it's going to be a, a blessed week, but both of you will go through the same week but with different results. Whether your friend's week will indeed turn out to be lousy, yours to be filled with favor of God. It all is determined by what we say. And so in the Old Testament, it says the priest will de- decree that, meaning the people would bring their sheep, their lamb, their goat, whatever it is, and the priest would value, oh, this is a good offering, this isn't a, a bad offering, and whatever it is. And whatever he said, it was decreed. Just like for now, and most of us in our in individual states here in the United States, we have this pandemic called the coronavirus. And so some governors decreed we're all going to, stop the work, everybody stay home, be social distancing, he made a decree, and now we have to follow that. If we take that same experience, and God has given us that power and authority to speak what is good, what is evil, what is blessed, what is lacking, that's our own individual, because it's based on our relationship with our creator. So in this, I remember Ron Ross, there was a stroke victim who was bedridden, and he listened to one of Ron's tapes, and he assessed that if God said this, then he can do that himself. So he was decreeing that God would help him walk again, and not long after that, he would be able to walk and no longer bound by the bed. The next assessment he made was about health, a complete recovery, and he did so. So this gentleman heard Ron's teaching on decree, 
on prayer and says, believe what God says. And he manifested the healing. And many of you on this line, and I know I got testimony after testimony about people taking the principle that we're going to live by tonight. God said this about your health, my health. I remember decreeing in the beginning of the year that this is your going to be a favor. And you'll probably say, Padre, do you see what's happening around us? <laughs> it's like, yes, but there's still favor in whether it's good or bad, there's still favor involved in that. And just as an example for that, for me, it's like not we're all, quote, secluded in our homes, or most of us. The way we live right now is being positioned maybe in a different way that doesn't have a normal flow. And so for me to be, I call it housebound, and like the activity should not have been, should have been less, but actually it actually was more. And for me, the the criteria was I got a phone call and there was Angelica at the last West of Heaven. She talked about, well, people are asking about this digital CDs for all of Ron's products. And I go, well, we worked on it before and it fell through. So I'm a patient man. It's like it's going to come through soon. And she goes, well, I can work on that. I go, you can? And so, of course, as soon as three weeks ago, she says, I have a, a project. I can do this project. Would you let me? I go, of course. I've been waiting for this for years. And just yesterday or the day before, so actually on Easter, she says, it's all up and running. She goes, all of the, all the Ron Roth products are now digitally recorded. And I go, oh, my God. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of less, there was favor. There was abundance. And each of you, if you have eyes to see, ears to hear, Robert Schuller always says there's a hundred thousand miracles happening every day, but he who has the faith to see it on life way will see it. So I want to turn your attention to that in whoever you are, whatever you're saying, that please decree what God sees about your life, not the past, but the present and the future. And we can actually go on to what is more. I know I'm maybe going way off course here, my brothers, but I'm so excited about the gifts that have been happening in my life and as well as yours. So it's all about turning our attention to the power of humility. And the way I say that is, how would you define humility? Most of us have been in a situation where we got ridiculed, criticized. We could use that as well, they need a little humility, especially when we were younger. Has anyone ever told you, when will you ever grow up? That didn't feel good <laughs> when I, I'm still small, so I'm still waiting on growing up. But there was a little charge to it. But what it did, it provoked me to ask that question. You know, in the scriptures it says, you keep drinking milk, it's time to eat meat. So there's a time where we raise the level of our awareness of who God is and my response to God's ability. Another question, <laughs> which I, I think say a lot to my community, has anyone ever told you to obey? Ooh, which means listen. And that little, maybe it's sharp when it comes out, but your spirit picks it up and goes, you know, I think I should. That's humility, where we actually listen, and even though it might have a little charge to it, you know it's true within yourself. So it really is a defining, it's like an angel saying, ding, 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 hello, anybody home? I could be a little more gentler, yes. But when that conviction comes, it really does turn our attention. 
maybe a parent, a teacher, a boss, any of them has said that to you. It's like, do what I tell you to do. It, sometimes it might be out of anger or just frustration, but they're actually trying to position us for the greater work that we're being called to. It's actually a good teacher draws out a person. So hopefully it's within the right tone, but really part of that is our humility of hearing what's being said and then honoring it. And to me, that positions us, you and I, everyone, for greater works in what God desires to have for your life, for my life. And have you ever been corrected? Oh, my God, I have story after story after story. Remember, I worked with Ron Roth, and he was a very, I call it a disciplinarian. He knew black and white, and he called you out if you did it wrong. And most of the time, those things were wrong. But you know what? 25 years later, I'm seeing the value of what his words were. He's been gone, what, 11 years right now? And the wisdom that comes right now in my life fulfills me because even though I felt it as criticism, he was actually teaching me. And now that wisdom comes alive whenever I'm addressing my own community or <laughs> taking a reflection on myself and say, you know, you could have done that better. You know, and the power of to receive that gift of hearing, decreeing, and applying it to my life. And to me, we just celebrated Holy Week. And during Holy Week, it's about surrendering, forgiving, positioning ourselves for the more, which means we have to empty ourselves. So I would put it in my terms, I had to get, I'm so full of myself, I have to empty it. And it says, okay, God, teach me what you see not what I predict or what I think is right. You tell me. And I've been giving such lovely encouragements, sometimes very uncomfortable, but it's a direction that says, okay, let go of this. Apologize here. So it really is a beautiful way in my world of I'm being blessed by kneeling down, being humble, and just loving God as who God is. Last night on our call with the student program, one student said during this time, during the prayers that would be uttered during the last teleclass, was they were actually down on their knees. And, and I saw that in the spirit, and I was so happy to hear that. But it, it position, it tells me they were positioning themselves for the more, for the emptying. And how many of us tonight did you prepare for this call? Are you prepared to let go, surrender? Are you willing to surrender your spirit and say, in humility, if I have to kneel down and show God that that's, I want the more. I want to be filled again by your spirit. That indication for me will step into the more. All right. Settle down, Polly. All right. So. There you're going about, great, Padre. That's awesome. <laughs> We're going to talk about. What I see most healing is about the soul and the emotional wounds that we have. And so the, the list that I presented about have you been corrected, been rejected, have been tall enough, big enough, smart enough, whatever that those characteristics might be. Bobby, have you ever been challenged by those in your teenage years or even in your adult life years? Oh, many times. And I wanted to share a scripture passage just to kind of set the tone. It's from Jeremiah 32:27, and it 
It says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? Mm. And I would say that that's the invitation, that, you know, we learn to lean on true power rather than our own perceived power. Yes. Because that all of your questions, everything that you, all those categories and all of those scenarios that you mentioned, it's all about getting out of our deranged version of what <laughs> life is and yeah. stepping in, really stepping into life in, in the divine manifestation of life. I remember about 30 years ago when I was learning to be a, a, a surgical nurse. I was in my late 20s. And I'd already been a nurse for many years, maybe five or six years, and I transferred to the operating room because they were doing a program to to train in-house. So I applied. The first time it didn't work because I, I didn't have enough of the kind of background that they wanted. But I kept praying and praying and praying. I had a, I had a pretty solid faith practice, and I just kept praying. And I just knew I needed to make a change from what I was doing. So they offered the course again, which is kind of unprecedented, but they did. And so I reapplied and they hired me for the course, which was several months of training in the operating room with a mentor and preceptors. And it was just kind of an amazing opportunity. And the hospital that I work at still, it's now a bigger system than than it was back then. Back then it was a private hospital, one of the last ones in San Francisco. And now it's part of a larger entity, but it still has the same goodness about it. And the Mm -hmm. hospital in in particular that I work at still nurtures people who are sincere to help grow them. But anyway, so about 30 years ago, I was learning how to scrub on an eye case. And I had this, this moment where I had always been kind of tagging with other people, but this was an emergency. They really needed to deal the, the case right away mm. and so I was in the scrub role and then there was the circulating nurse and I went in and I was getting everything ready and you know I'd already been in the service but I it was you know this was an emergency so there wasn't a lot of support and I remember and I knew what to do it's not like this was new to me it's just that I was nervous because it was my yeah. you know kind of the first time mm-hmm. and so I was kind of creating all kinds of troubled scenarios in my head. Talk about not leaning on the divine. <laughs> just the opposite, you know. I, know that I was just I was just making myself go crazy. And it was all about anxiety, it was all about expectations, it was oh, all yeah. about every worst case oh. thing. And it, none of it was the reality. None of it. Yes. The reality was somebody was in need. There was an amazing opportunity to help them. Everybody was there to do it. And it was going to go fine. That was the reality. But my <laughs> my my brain was creating a whole oh, yeah. other scenario. Yeah, yeah. And so so the the luckily I was I was tagged with a senior nurse who was really really good, and I really liked her. And I kind of showed that anxiety face to her, and she just literally said, "Grow up." Grow oh wow. Up. Those exact words. Wow. And 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 walked away. She's like, you know, oh, you got to figure. It. You know, from the door, she says, you have to figure this out. You know what to do. Oh my And went goodness. went went and got the patient. And I and I took a deep <laughs> breath. 
And I was like, of course I know what to do. She's totally wow. right. Just stop it. So wow. I just, she called, she called me out and it was so perfect because I immediately went from being a child to a man. Mm. I immediately became an adult in, in that role because up to that point, I was operating as a student in my head. But sure. in the reality, nobody was treating me that way. I wasn't hired as a new nurse. I was a seasoned nurse, and I was in the operating room, and I had prayed to get there. Everything was set up perfectly. It was just my own crazy thoughts oh. that cre- created a conflict. So it was just an amazing thing. So, you know, 35 years later, still there. <laughs> and <laughs> well, the call is fine. <laughs> So, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so it was really great. And I think that's what you started with that you made a decree. You made a decree and yeah. said, don't wait. Don't wait for the end of the call. Yeah. Do the healing now. And that's exactly yeah. what, in that same sort of level of decree, that nurse did that same thing to me and allowed me the opportunity to figure it out, to grow up and to, to be the, the person that, you know, I needed to be in that situation. Wow. I love that story, Bobby. It's so real. And you, I could feel the pain. The initial grow up is like, oh, we can really go into our childhood and, and, oh, well, look what they did. But by the spirit, you took and go, I know what to do because the brain tries to dictate. And actually, the heart knows best. And you hit your heart and all of a sudden it was successful. That's amazing. Yeah. And even to this day, I just thank her. I thank her. Oh, I wow. thank her. I thank her. Just like you said about Padre Ron. Yeah. To this day, I thank her, thank her, thank her. And I never, I never did have like a pity party about it. I, I really, oh, sure. that, she, the way, wow. the, the respect, but the directness in which mm. it was sort of given to me was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect medicine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good point. Very good point. I remember a situation, and then I'll ask uh, Dana the same question. I remember, and some of you heard this story before, was after Ron's death, I went to Medjugorje to kind of do my grieving and kind of heal from that trauma of taking care of him for three years and just all the, the turmoil that happened of me stepping into the role of spiritual director. And it's like, okay. And I remember going to Medjugorje, so broken, and I remember going to the 10 o'clock daily mass. And uh, our tour guide who was there, uh, there were two Pauls in our group, and I was one and another and another one. And he he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, Paul, would you come with me? And it's like, okay, I don't know where we're going. So he takes me to the vestibule where the priests change into their garbs and their deacons. And it's like, okay, maybe they want me to serve. And it's like, I don't know. I'm just, my brain is not functioning. You know, I'm just way out of it. So I'm just following. And then all of a sudden, the nun comes and says, oh, do you want to wear this one? And you need a robe? And it's like, okay. So because some servers, they wear robes. I understand that. So I put that on, and then she was putting on an elbe. And it's like, well, that's like a deacon. And she couldn't speak English, but I was just following what they said, come here. So I was, I was being obedient. And there's realization that said inside of me saying, something's wrong here. <laughs> this equation isn't working well. And finally, I just said, no, 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 no priest, no deacon, no priest, no deacon. And her eyes just got so big. 
And like, no deacon, no priest. I go, no. He went, oh, and the humility that I felt. I mean, it's just like I felt like two cents. It's like, well, why would you even come into this room? But I was invited to. So it was such a divine setup. But actually what had happened was it was to break me more. I thought it was broken, but it broke me more because here I am as our spiritual director, the shepherd, and I am a priest in my own right. And to put on that, I didn't want to disrespect the church. That wasn't in my heart at all. So to say, no, I won't do this. And talk about being broken in a thousand pieces. And I remember afterwards, the next mass, the next day of the day after, with all my turmoil that went on in my, my own being, that during the Eucharist, Christ Jesus showed up in the Eucharist and he just exploded my heart and all the pain, all the, the depression that I carried with me left. But it's these breaking points that when we're faced with the reality that the light does come in, it breaks the darkness. Not the being set up, but we're all being set up to step into the new. Just as everyone on this call, your life is going to change because of these three teleclasses. Because there's going to be an impartation that's going to take hold and break the old patterns for the new light to come through. But thank you, Bobby, for sharing that. It's a beautiful story. Dana, how about you? You have like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Get all three shuttle fast all at once. <laughs> well, we can we have experiences, but we have to have understanding. And it's taken me a long time to come to understanding. And luckily, through therapists and spiritual leaders, I've learned the difference between humility and humiliated, and the difference between certainty and confidence. So, my version would be that one therapist told me: first, you don't have an ego; then you have an ego; then you have to break your ego. So our, our life is about learning how to break. But sometimes mm. I watch people use breaking as a way to be humiliated and still stay within their ego. And I've done that myself. Oh, okay. um, yeah. It's like a pattern that I've gone through over and over again, trying to figure out how it is we are to be here. So going back <laughs> to my childhood, my, I had a very dominating father and family and I was being humiliated a lot rather than humbled. It was it was good learning in, in the background. There was many lessons, but the way he did it was in a humiliating way. So when it came time as I was, so I actually played into that and I tried to always get B's instead of A's or lose a race rather than win a race or something mm. just because I wanted to prove every, he was right. Yeah. Which was creating, because yeah. confidence can also be lack of confidence. You can still be in your ego with confidence and lack of confidence, still ego. But what I did experience in sports was that I was strong enough. No, I, I felt God. I don't know how to describe it, but I felt safe. So as we were going to college, I was desperate to want to keep playing. So I thought I would try out for the college team. But I had no confidence. I knew what I was certain I was good at. I could play defense and I was a good passer. But other than that, I didn't have confidence. And as I decided to do this, I thought I'd try to build up my confidence and go to my teachers and coaches and ask their support or their guidance. And all of them laughed at me, literally laughed at me in my face saying, hey, I was an all-star when I was in high school and I didn't get to make it on the college team. You're not going to make it at all. And I was just like, what? 
So anyways, I just decided to focus on those things I was good at, and I practiced over and over again. And out of 200 people that tried out, I was accepted on the, the team of 15. And it was like, oh. So it was a kind of an awareness there, like, oh, my certainty was right, and I could make it. But of course, because I wasn't able to reflect on it, that certainty slipped back over into confidence. So by the time I was my year of playing basketball there, I started to have a big ego about it. So the following year, I was cut, and it was a humbling experience. I was told I could go play at other schools if I wanted to, but they didn't like my attitudes, and I was like, whoa. But that didn't, <laughs> didn't break me. I still wanted to believe I was an athlete. So through a series of years of still doing that on the background, thinking I was good at everything, I finally got asthma, and that's when I was humbled. Because then I couldn't even have a breath, and I had to stop thinking of myself as an athlete. That was just a step that didn't bring in God at all. And I've already told the story at the at the CLM events about how my dog came, and I realized that I thought I could heal her, and I couldn't. In fact, I had to surrender completely to the day and the time of her death, and then just show up and allow it to happen. And I made a pledge then. I made a vow. I would always listen, because I know that in not listening... I'm moving back over into confidence again, thinking I know what I'm going to be doing and creating something that has to be broken again. So I'm staying in that listening, and that's when I was following Ron and doing, trying to help him on stage and support him in holding space. And, uh, and every time it would come time for my turn to be healed, he'd say to me, you're not even being who you are, need to be. You know, it's not like that. I'm like, oh. Ron. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I agree with you, but I don't know what to do. And each time I just sat in that, in my lack of confidence when he said that, rather than in certainty, like, what does he mean? And one time I asked myself what he means, and all of a sudden I had a vision of me in robes, and I was like, oh, no way, I've got to do that, oh, no. You know, <laughs> look at me now. Yeah. And these are personal experiences I think people can't relate to because, well, I, it didn't happen to me and I didn't have these things. But one thing I did finally realize that made me understand the, the allowing that you have to do was I was trying to listen and do whatever God was asking me to do. In that time, I was teaching classes at FSD, but I was also teaching in that in Santa Fe. But every weekend, I drive all the way to Lake Tahoe to teach a class up there and then drive all the way back. And I had a little tiny truck that shifted and I, that was so tiring and I, I didn't have any money I had basically had $1,200 a month I was kind of living out of a shack and I said God help me I don't I, I'll do whatever you want but show me what you want me to do and then it was through somebody else giving me a reading saying well the only way you're going to make money is you have to be with creator more often and I was like what and I made as I teach this idea of being in with your creator color, it's always a, a type of prayer. And I made the decision that I would pray every hour, on the hour. I would stop no matter what was going to set my watch to beep every hour. And I reached into God and felt it, and I had to let go. I couldn't force it, and it would come in inappropriate times. It would come right in the meeting with my boss or with my girlfriend. And I'd excuse myself in the middle of the conversation, close my eyes, like Bobby does now with his prayers when they come on. And I did this for one week, every hour on the hour. And by the end of the week, I had a new job that paid me three times as much as I was making. I had a new car that was paid for by the job and a boss that's continued to take care of me, including paying off my student loan later. All these things that I couldn't do, 
I didn't see any plan of how I could survive. I didn't know how I was going to get past this really hard state like we're facing now, where I find that there's a tendency when scary things come up, we tend to try and move into confidence or lack of confidence and try to think our way through it. As opposed to, I imagine Moses and Jesus spent every day, all day, tapping in to understand how to go forward. And it was one of those things that when you try, you're using confidence. When you allow and go to God first and ask for the guidance, then what happens, the humbling happens in that allowing what's going to unfold, and then God can give. But when you're trying to make it happen, even though you get it all at any moment, I'm aware that God could take it all away because there's a new path. But that's a welcoming. That's what happens with the humility is you welcome the next location or the change in Mm -hmm. the in the venue. So, I mean, that's how I've experienced it. And it's an ongoing thing. I'm sure I'll have a million more stories to go on with this. But (laughs) I experienced this humility in you, Padre, I, I see how you're trying to help people understand that, and they have experienced being humiliated before, so they misunderstand you, and they think that somehow right. there has to be this shaming. That's not yeah. what you're talking about. No. You're talking about going past <laughs> all the shaming to understanding yeah. that you must sit in the safety and that nurturance of the divine that holds you and let go. Quit trying to control it, because that control yeah. comes out of the ego. What I like about yours and what I picked up on when things changed for you at, at the latter of your testimony was the, you says, well, you began to just pray. You know, you started to dig or go to the well. Say, God, yep. bless this. I desire this. You went to the source. You didn't try to figure it out. You went to the source. And to me, that's humility. It's like, well, you know, because we all have strengths and abilities and gifts that if we don't invite God into those and say, well, you gave them to me. Go to the source. And then everything else is added. And that your story reflects that in a brilliant way. I love that, Dana. Thank you for that testimony. It's, it's huge. I'd like to share a testimony. Then I actually am going to have Stephanie Sword actually come on the line and share her testimony. But it's, to me, it has a really beautiful way of tying all this together. And testimonies are so important because it gives people hope that that other person receives something. I think I can too because we're both children of the light. This one comes from, and I won't mention her name, I'll call her Mary. You used that term. And this was actually in 2016 at a spring retreat. And she says, Dear Padre, Thursday night I received a healing from Dana in the hallway. He placed his hand on my heart and said, There was confusion in there and to let it go into his hand. I remember thinking, there's no way I want to burden Dayton with my stuff. It's so difficult to let go. On Friday, Padre picked up the wedding photo of my parents from the altar. And I usually just pick out objects and say, whose is this? And then we'll pray for them. We'll see what the Holy Spirit wants. And that's really a, a great way of just being present and allowing grace to flow. All right. I had spent a week with my parents' home helping them clean out their basement and came across this photo, which I knew I had to bring. At the end of the retreat, I talked to my mother, and she said that she had never felt such good energy, calm, and feel actually relaxed with less anxiety. So she, too, received a big healing during that weekend. During all the music and the dancing Saturday night, I felt myself entering into what I can only describe as a trance 
My hands began to increasingly get hot and uncomfortable, and I kept having to shake them in various positions to try and move the energy. Golden waves began to raise from my spine up to my head. I felt overcome by the spirit, like I was being initiated. I longed for more, to see and to know and experience more. Then Padre came by and pointed at me at me and said, get up. Like, I assume she was on the floor. <laughs> the only words I remember Padre screaming at me before I fell back was, you are being birthed by God. And then I left my body and saw Padre zapping my lower abdominals in slow motion as I hit the floor. After I felt wave after wave of excruciating pain, release, and peace, I felt like I was drowning and dying. And then all of a sudden there was a break and I could come up for air. And then another wave would crash in and out and take me under again. It was like I went like this for some time. I was wailing and sobbing with each wave, feeling so exposed, so raw, so undone. At the end of the Saturday night, I could barely even see straight. I remember trying to get to my car, but it was as if someone was rearranging all the hotel doors and knobs, and I couldn't properly ordinate myself. My entire reality had shifted. And for that experience, it, God took over. And I've had that experience in my own. And some of you will be having this experience tonight that some shift will happen because God becomes alive in our lives. And when she, when she expressed there was excruciating pain, I felt that many times when God's presence was there. I always say God was doing divine surgery. You know, we don't need to know what and how, but it was being happening. And it would stretch us. And then there was this peace that comes over you and I went, oh my God. It's like birthing pains. It comes and it goes, it comes and it goes. But this is exactly what Mary had felt and experienced. And this is real. This is not a something crazy. We might think it's crazy when we're going through it because we don't understand it. But coming from that experience, it shifted us into a brand new place of relationship. And to me, that's extraordinary. So, Stephanie, are you on the call tonight? I'm here. Yeah, hey. This is Stephanie Sward, and I asked her, you were on the call last night at the student, and she had a, an interesting encounter that she shared with us, and I asked her to be on the call tonight to share about that first, and then maybe the other feelings that, she, that took place in her life. But Stephanie, go right ahead and share that story with us. So, this is my quarantine story. <laughs> March. 13th was that was the day my work shut down and also the day that my kids school shut down so I thought I was gonna help everything by making a plan and so that everything would go smoothly because now we would all be you know we've lived together forever but really we're three busy people that didn't spend that much time together so Single mom with two boys. Yeah. Yeah. 15 and 17. So, so what happened was my plan basically completely backfired and started. <laughs> where, yeah. The kids, yeah, their quarantine turned into quarantining from me. <laughs> and so they did not, they didn't, yes, they didn't like my plan. So it was about two days <laughs> of not speaking 
and we were pretty much just keeping our space from each other and not it was it hurt and so I knew I needed to get quiet about it and pray about it and in my prayers what what I got was that I needed to listen and so he sat down with the boys and just told them that I I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and you know I needed to hear them what they needed and and it was a listening kind of turned into listening to what they were saying between the words because mm. it wasn't what I got it it's been such a gift because I just feel like we've it's it's almost like I got a second chance and mm. we spend now we spend time walking and talking and listening and we have nothing but time now. And so we get yeah. to go to the lake and go into the woods and wow. and be with each other. And it's just it's just been yeah, I just feel like I just got a second chance. Wow. You got a second chance to be mom again. Instead yeah. of the parent in a sense of these are my rules and you're gonna obey these rules, it's like, okay, let's just get to know one another again because as teenagers, we have a theory of our own what life is about. And so when we can now match mom and mom says, I'm learning, would you learn with me? Would you be a student with me? And each one said yes to that. And now you actually get your kids back. Instead exactly. of being the parent, we'll do this together. And what a rich yeah. opportunity, but it's that humility and saying, I, I'm not doing this right. I don't understand. Can you help me? And yeah. what a beautiful story to share with all of us because this quarantine, we don't know what that looks like. You know, and I'm sure there's parents that know exactly what you went through, Stephanie. I mean, that's a that's a huge miracle, a beautiful shift. Mm-hmm. Indeed, thank you. But I also know you ha- you've you've been on stage many times in our celebrating <laughs> retreats in West of Heavens. And could yeah. you just share one or two of those miracles that you actually had in our with experience with God? Yeah, I think the one I want to share is one from. Arizona because it was so unexpected and so you had called down people that had issues in birth and it was it, there was about seven of us and we were all lined up and it was specific these were not going to be fall down healings because the the floor was stone and um, <laughs> that's right yeah I remember that yeah and so you went I was at the end of the row and you started at the beginning and kind of just went person to person asking what the what the difficult part of the birth was and when you got to me i told you that i was i was being born face up and so when the doctor reached inside my mom to to flip me over he hit my head where it basically shifted my skull and so you had us put our hands on our bellies as like a point of contact and you yeah. just started speaking and praying and you placed your hand on top of my hand that was on my belly and then everybody's hand, Bobby's hand, Janai was there and her hand came on me and oh, there was, uh, there was this point on the back of my head that has basically hurt my whole life and Dana happened to put his finger right on that point. And I could feel myself fill so quickly. 
And it was, I remember thinking, I'm, Audrey said not to fall, <laughs> we're not falling down. <laughs> and, but I could feel it was just, it, there was no, it was just surrendering to it. There was nothing I was, yeah. I, there was nothing I could do. And yeah. I do remember thinking this is really going to, because there were no catchers. This is going to hurt right. when, I, <laughs> when I go over. And, and I, somebody was there to catch me. I went down, but it was this experience of, it, I was re-experiencing my birth. And wow. there, it was a moment of sheer terror. And, but then it was the wow. most beautiful, peaceful, brilliant. I, I can't, there's not even a word for it. And all I knew was that God was there in that moment as well as every moment. It was like this knowing that God is always there. And it was, it was life changing. I love that. (laughs) You know, that's a beautiful story. And I know you have many of those. And just in a reflection on the, uh, the one that I just shared about Mary, her, about God Mm -hmm. rebirthing her. And now Mm -hmm. you follow up with your story about being rebirthed. Mm -hmm. How incredible is that? There's the Holy Spirit at work. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for those two stories that are very touching. And, but I, I love what the Holy Spirit is doing in you right now. You know, maybe you had children that had a difficult birth, or maybe you were the one that had a difficult birth. Part of this prayer tonight will go for that and to release you and your children for healing, for reconciliation. I know that we have a few minutes left before we're going to begin to decree what the Holy Spirit desires. But Bobby, in Stephanie's sharings, her testimonies, what did you draw from them that you really see the Holy Spirit positioning all of us for greater work, for healing, for our bodies, our souls? What I was hearing is once a way is shown, a way is available. So it's just like when Jesus was in in Galilee, in Cana, and he was called out by his mom to start his miraculous ministry. And he was like, no, no, I'm not ready. And she Uh, says, but they they need wine, and you, you need to do something to help them. And what happened was not only was he prepared for his ministry in that way. He was invited by his mother. He was mm. seen by his disciples as, as truly the miraculous being that he is and brought to the world. But Stephanie's testimony is also a testimony to that moment, that moment in Cana, that new birth in Cana where Jesus stepped yeah. into his ministry, his mother let go of her son, his friends became his disciples. The, the miraculous came to earth, and a whole new covenant happened. There's something that's the, the whole tradition of the wine, the whole tradition of turning yeah. something from something. So many synchronicities, so many of alignments. And it, Stephanie kind of encapsulated that whole thing in her testimony because everything happened at that moment of contact and recognition. Wow. Um and, Padre, that's one of the things that CLM is so good at, is in a very humble, simple way, we just do what God's asking us to do. And yeah. you make it really possible for all of us 
to step into that mission. And there's no, it's not ego driven. It's not personality driven. No. It's mm-hmm. just about carrying out this work in this time that we have available to us to do it. And so each person that steps up to receive the healing and to give the healing back, not only to us, but to everyone else. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, for me, that's, that's just a, a very beautiful invitation that let's keep going. Well, you know, Bobby, I love that, how, how you position each of us to enter into prayer now. The Stephanie's testimony, it was about a wound she had from how many years. And again, I decree by the Holy Spirit says, anybody who's had a difficult birth, come forward. That's a word of knowledge. That's a decree. And from there, life was formed again. And all of a sudden, she received her gift that she didn't even know that she would even be coming for. But there it was, and she had this amazing synchronicity happening where Dana hit the very spot on her head, and then everything just melted, and she melted. And I remember, because we decreed no catchers, but then there was one, and, and after that, many people then fell to the floor when we prayed for them. But it was kind of a rule you can't, but, you know, you can't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is positioning us. So, Dana, as we lead into prayer now, what would be a prayer request or what the Holy Spirit is asking you to pray for for anyone who's listening to this call? Well, as we've been going through the call, I've been feeling Holy Spirit here in the room such that I'm almost in a daze or a trance. So I pray that it's in every room yeah. of all the listeners and that it's across the planet that we may see the goodness and the miraculous in our lives, that we may see it right here, right now not waiting for it to happen somewhere, and it can be unexpected. I agree with that. That's so clear. In my Because right now in my world, my head is burning like fire, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always happen, but I just know the activity of the Spirit is within me, within you. Remember, we are the body of Christ, so we can all feel the same feeling. So I believe that the activation of the Holy Spirit wants to release people from old wounds, especially in birth or birth defects, whatever it might be. But it's it's here, it's now, it's ready. So, Bobby, would you like to lead us in prayer, and I'll follow up with that as we close in? Absolutely. So in Mark, it says, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I say yes, Jesus. I say yes to this miraculous unfolding in our lives. I say yes to the Holy Spirit coming into every home. I say yes to being reborn in this moment in a miraculous way because the world is brand new. Nothing is the same. And we all get to shift now into a higher state of consciousness, a higher great state of receptivity to the divine and a higher knowing that all is well. All is always well. We can become useful. We can become children. We can become truly the innocent, loving children of the divine that you see us as. This is our moment now. And we say yes. I say yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just allow your grace now to open the new door. As Bobby decreed and explained, this is a new beginning here on earth. There's a no template. It's being set in us. And so as we now get released into the brand new, the new shifting that's going on, the new consciousness. 
our bodies begin to heal and restore because that's the old. Whatever dis-ease that you're feeling in your body, maybe it's with cancer, maybe it's with a blood issue, maybe it's with a heart issue or an eye issue. All those things now begin to just merge into the light of Christ. And when the light comes, darkness leaves, pain leaves, illness leaves in the name of Jesus. So as the Holy Spirit now begins to stir in your body, your future is already being planned. It has been planned. Now we enter into this new world with confidence, not the old self, but the new self, because we're being, we're being ushered in as an invitation to come up here, come higher, go beyond. So the abundance is there. Your new job is there. The new child is there. Some of you desire a new child or a grandchild. You've been praying for your siblings, your sons and daughters. They too shall multiply and grow. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the Shekinah glory. It's a glorious presence. And I know many of you are praying for your children, for their futures. And it's rich. It's prosperous. Get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit now just to see beyond. Just as Stephanie says, I don't know the plan, but I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust the people around me. And as the Holy Spirit now positions each of us, we will see the light. We will see the opening. And we get to be born again anew. We get to see, the world gets to see us differently. After this, we all go back to work or to your organizations, to your churches. They will see a difference in you because of what you just let go now. So as I decreed in, or I spoke of the person that was kneeling as the service went on, and just opening up to God's love, God's mercy, God's kindness. Maybe you are doing that right now, on your knees. Thank you, O Lord, our God, for positioning each of us, for your glory has come. And birth us again, O Lord, just birth us again in that new flavor, in that peace that passes all understanding. It's by your light that we are made whole and complete. We take on the power, the love, the mercy, the kindness of God. I thank you, God, for your living word made flesh and dwelt among us. So in that new beginning, you are God breathed. You are God breathed. You are God breathed. So that new beginning, the holy of holies, is now being reset in your spirit, in your temple, in your body. All illness, all infection in the name of Jesus be gone. All viruses in the name of Jesus be gone by the light of Christ. And just a fresh and new body reset, emotions reset, wounds, you're gone. You're gone by the light of Christ. It just burns away and it blows by the ash. It blows God just has taken it away. So we blow in the wind by the Spirit. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for touching our bodies, our hearts, our emotions, our spirit. We are set free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.